Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. I said to Lorraine the other day, and Lorraine's my wife, as you're no doubt the listener is aware, you're sort of constantly thinking about the future rather than the present, basically. And I know that goes into that all mindful stuff, doesn't it? But it does, it feels like you shouldn't be thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. You should be thinking more about what's happening today. This is what I'm holding, for those of you who can't see, is the ugliest knife that has (laughs) ever existed in the world. But I made that thing uh, with my own hands. Excellent. I try not to say it, which is, well, in my day, interest rates were much higher than that. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that that sort of skill has been lost in a generation. Ding dong, ding, them bells are playing loud and clear. Dong, ding dong, they're saying it's that time of year. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Welcome, Colin. Thank you. Great to be on the show yet again. Nearly yeah, five I years, mate. I'll blow you out and you keep showing up. Um, so we'll, we'll have to do it the best we can with that. Yes, yes. Um, as I was just saying, we've, we've nearly done five years of the show. How about that? Who would have thought, eh? Five years. That's rather remarkable, considering we kind of started it almost on a whim. It was, yes. We were promoting our book. We did a couple of video podcasts and decided to, to give our, our hand at it. And, um, well, I'm, I'm glad we did. I've enjoyed it tremendously. I tell you what, I went back and looked at a couple of those webinars that we did, like one every couple of weeks. They were bloody awful, mate. I've got to <laughs> I I disagree. I think they were good. I think we've just improved a lot since then. Yeah. And learning okay. what we were doing. But, we've uh, improved by a hundred percent. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we wrap up the year, as we come to a close, we've decided to do what we've done the past couple of years, which is. Have some thoughts and reflections uh, on what we've learned, some advice, some lessons, some things that we wanted to, to share. So I think uh, as per usual, we're going to do uh, one that's a little more professionally oriented and one that's a little more personally oriented. I've enjoyed these episodes. I, I It's been nice to give myself an excuse to actually stop and reflect and think back on the year. It is. It is. It's, it's a quite a cathartic experience, actually. Yeah. Isn't it? Just to take a step back and go, what did I learn this year? Yeah. No, so, I um. So I guess, I guess that'll be my first mini lesson that I'll slip in before we get to our list is uh, I'll encourage our listeners to do this too. It's um, some people I know do this on their own. Some people yeah. have to be nudged into it by um, podcasters. And so uh, <laughs> I wouldn't do this if we didn't have this episode to think about. And it's, it's been nice. I've enjoyed this. Yeah. And when you say do this, do you mean launch a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. You- so go ahead and do that. Uh, yeah. Also think about things that you've learned this year and things that you yeah. want. Yeah. Well, it could be that you learned this year that you should be launching a podcast next year. And there's the learning. 
yeah, that's. I don't know that we want to be like encouraging competition for us, Colin. Like <laughs> <that idea. laughs> Especially since we, we started off by talking about how terrible we were when we started. <laughs> Anybody could be better than us. Go ahead and give it a try. <laughs> yeah, totally right. Yeah, there you go. So I'll go first. Uh, I'll list off mine, and then uh, then we can just go back and forth. Okay, sounds good. Mine is uh, my first lesson or, or kind of thing that I've learned or that I've realized is that you can never go back to the way things were. You can only progress into something new. That's deep. Thank you. Thank you. It seems like for the last, most of the last two or three years, I guess almost three years now, we've just been waiting for things to return to normal, right? Obviously there was, there was COVID and there was the huge lockdown and then once lockdown's over, things will get back to normal. And then lockdown ended mostly. And then things were not normal because we still had all the COVID. And then there were sure. supply chain issues and then labor issues and then a war and recessions. And I realized as I was thinking back on this year, and I guess that kind of the trigger for it is I went to my first academic conference um, in all right. two and a half years. This used to be a, a pretty regular part of my life. I'd go to two or three of these a year. Uh, catch up on research. And, and so I was excited to get back to going to these more regularly. And it was great to see people in person and all that. Yep. But it wasn't the same. It all felt very different. And it made me realize like I've been waiting for a long time for things to just go back and they're never going to go sure. back. No. And I don't know about you, but it's something I've been talking to Lorraine about. And that is, we always seem to say it will be okay when this happens. It will be when we get to America, because we we back we go back and forth every couple of months, basically. When we get to America, it'll be great because this will happen. Or when we get back to England, it'll be great because that's going to happen. And it always, I said to Lorraine the other day, and Lorraine's my wife, as you're no doubt the listener is aware. You're sort of constantly thinking about the future mm. rather than the present. Yeah, basically. And I know that goes into that all mindful stuff, doesn't it? But it does. It feels like you shouldn't be thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. You should be thinking more about what's happening today. Neither tomorrow nor yesterday, as much as focusing on what's what's right now. I think I think my problem has been expecting that tomorrow will eventually be like yesterday was. Well, that, that's what I was trying to build on, yeah. which is yeah. it will be okay when everything gets back to normal. It will be okay when the pandemic's over. It will be okay when the gas prices come down, it will be okay when there is an inflation. And guess what? <laughs> it's never okay, because there's always something else. Or alternatively, it's mostly okay. Yes. <laughs> we, it's yes. never the way that it was, but we yes. we learn to, to deal with something new. But yeah, as soon as those problems are done, there will be another set of problems that we have to deal with. But you see, that's interesting, isn't it? Because what I was putting it from was things will be better you don't ever go it will be worse when when this happens <laughs> oh it will really be worse when that happens i can't It'll wait be, for it to be worse oh i can't wait for it to be worse <laughs> so i guess that's maybe yeah that's interesting isn't it yeah. i guess that depends on then whether the glass is half full of half empty basically yeah when I, you look at life i definitely have friends who expect things to be worse yeah in the future yeah 
but they'll definitely be different. Um, I I was friends with a um, a therapist uh, at one point who uh, worked with a lot of. Um, so you're not friends with them at all now. America. Well, we moved away. So um, oh, okay. Um, and and or he decided my friendship was too much of a burden <laughs> on him. Either it way. was so it was so bad that he moved away. Is that right? And probably changed career. <laughs> Just couldn't, you know. But he had, he had a really interesting philosophy on why at least some people cheat in marriages, which was uh, this idea of backward looking. In all relationships, there's kind of a honeymoon period where things are going great. And then at some point, things get hard. And he said, at that point, you've got the choice of either looking back on how great things were at the beginning or working through it and getting to someplace new. And he said that in his opinion, a lot of times when people uh, started other relationships, they were trying to recapture that newness, kind of that beginning part. And he even expanded it and said that you know, that's why a lot of us like keep starting new hobbies or keep keep trying new things, because at some point things get hard and then you either can work through it or you can kind of restart. And I think it's kind of a similar idea. We kind of have to move forward because there's no going back and trying to, to recapture the past can lead to some some problems. Yeah. And that is that sort of whole concept around rose tinted glasses, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's another good point. Things were actually not as good as we remember them no. being. No, I I had dinner with friends the other night, and they haven't moved away. By the way, mate. Uh, well, not yet. <laughs> they're they're making plans. I have to tell you, with some of them, I live in hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. They're good. But one of the guys was saying, "Oh, it was so much better years ago. Mm-hmm. This was better. That was better." And I and I went, "No, it wasn't." Yeah. He at the time was talking about the 60s, you know? And I was going, no, there was a civil rights movement. If you were black, it Mm -hmm. wasn't a good time, you know? Just because, so, you know, child abuse would have been going on, you know? There would have been mass killings all around the world and, you know, blah, 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 you know? So he, he was only, interestingly enough, picking out the things that were positive yeah, and not reflecting on the things that actually had in improved you know incredible but there you go yeah well i, I mean you, you and i've done several episodes on memory and memory biases and that that's a real common one we when we look back we often are selective um yeah i think that feeds into this as well yeah no absolutely good okay so yeah so that, that's my first one quit waiting if you're like me don't be quit waiting for things to return to normal there is no return there never was a normal um, we're moving to someplace new, so let's let's yep. all get on board. Um, I've been trying to. Yeah, good point, well made, good one. So my first one is actually a, a business-related one. I've got a business one and a personal one, and I'm going to tell you about the business one first of all. So the business one that I, I sort of suddenly thought about as I went through this process, because you, you're right, it is a cathartic experience, was I was re- reflecting on, you know, in England that we've gone through about 27 different prime ministers in the last 72 hours. Oh, it feels that way anyway. England's not a big country. You guys are got to be running out of people. I assume you're up soon <laughs> yeah. for prime minister. It's my turn next yeah. one. Yeah, it's yeah, my turn next. Yeah, I have to. Yeah. Just so everyone knows, this is not voted on by the public. This is voted on by the local party. Parliamentary system. 
Yeah, so Boris Johnson gets kicked out. Then there's a big election and it's taken over by Liz Truss, okay? And Liz Truss was talking about growth and all those other wonderful things. In theory, well, you could disagree with them, but in theory, you're going for, the message was going for growth. And she came in and she implemented this big growth plan, which basically was doing what Reagan did in the States and Thatcher did in the uh, UK, you know, in the 80s, which was cutting tax dramatically, et cetera, et cetera, right? Now, I'm not going to go into the ins and outs uh, of it, and I'm not trying to attack this from a political perspective. But I guess the learning for me was there was a big difference between what she did and which caused a hell of a lot of problems in the in the market Mm-hmm. and what Thatcher and Reagan had done pre- pre- before that. And the difference was she was following a theory but didn't have a practical plan. Mm. And I, as I thought about it, I, I thought, you know, this sums up my company, Beyond Philosophy, okay? And you'll know that the company name's Beyond Philosophy, and one of the things I'm trying to get over with that name is You've got to have a philosophy or a thought, but you've got to go beyond it and do something. And I guess what the, my learning was, what she had was a philosophy or a thought, mm. cut taxes. What she didn't do was to think about how to practically implement it. It was just, let's just announce it and the world will be fine. Right, you know? and the practical consequences of yeah, following that. Because yeah. it was unfunded, it was many different things. Yeah. And now, ignominiously, she is now the shortest-serving prime minister in history of the UK, which is a long time. So that I wouldn't like that on my CV. And the second shortest, uh, I believe, died of a heart attack. So that Yes, <laughs> that's true. This is not a competition you want to yeah. win. No, yeah. oh, I mean, it's just a nightmare. But it, it did for me, it did, as I was listening to all this lot play out, I was thinking, yeah, the theory's there, but it was interesting because under Thatcher and that, they didn't actually do the tax cuts until much later in a prime ministership there are times and there's a way of communicating and so let me get off the sort of the, the that sort of political analogy and go to the learning which is you've got to have a theory that's got to drive things but you need to then work out the practical implementation the timing the communications plan that goes along with it how you bring along people because again that was mm-hmm. another failing how you bring along people another failing was that the government that she created she just filled full of people that agreed with her mm-hmm. yeah rather mm-hmm. than have a, a good internal debate about the right things and the wrong things and have some dissenting voices because it's the dissenting voices where you start to realize some of the practical problems that you have in the implementation and uh, and everything else that for me was was my business learning it's that reinforcement of you've got to have a practical thought philosophy but you've then got to go away and do something about it and you can't do one without the other you can have a theory and if you do nothing it's still just a theory you can go off and do something but if you're doing something just in the context of nothing then it's not following a strategic approach you've got to do both of those things does that make sense I think that's a great one so i love that 
I also think there's a, a problem in business often where people overapply their theories. They kind of fall in love with their theories. That might have been also what was happening under the, the trust government, where we had this theory about cutting taxes leading to growth. And then you look to other implementations where maybe arguably it worked under Reagan and under Thatcher, and then don't appreciate that, you know, maybe the economy now is in a very different place than it was in the other instances where it worked. Well, yeah, totally yeah. right there, mate, because I, I think at the time when they were doing it, they were basically, all of the experts were saying, don't do this, it's going to be a nightmare. The irony is, I don't know if you know this, but the, the guy that's the premier, uh, prime minister now, Rishi Sunak, would, called it fairy tale economics. Yeah. Which, when, when I was hit, listening to him, I was thinking, that's a, such a great phrase. <laughs> and it was obviously proven to be totally right. But And the other thing I think for me is, if it was as simple as that, right. then surely everybody would be doing it. And it's just never as simple as that, is it? But, but I think that happens in business a lot, too, where... Yes, people will like become enamored of a theory, often by observing some person or some company who's done something, and say like, "Oh, well, Steve Jobs did this, or Warren Buffett did this. Yeah, therefore, I'm going to do that too." Yeah, and totally don't appreciate all the differences between Apple in 1996 and whatever your company is now, or Warren Buffett investing in the 80s versus you investing now. And those differences are really important. To be honest with you, you could apply the same for the whole concept around customer experience. Yeah. There have been many organizations that have gone, ah, right, we need to improve our customer experience. Yes, I agree with that concept because let's be honest, who wouldn't? Now, you know, where they failed is in the implementation of that idea. And that's where the hard work really happens is the implementation of those ideas. So I think you can apply it apply it there as well so excellent we wanted to thank everybody for listening you are great and the reason we do this we're really pleased that we now have over 200 episodes we've seen the podcast grow and grow and now according to buzzsprout it is in the top five percent of all podcasts globally thank you that is truly amazing and not possible without you. But we have one request of you. Can you please tell a friend, a neighbor, or even someone you hate? It'd be really good to get more listeners and it encourages Ryan and I to continue to produce the show. So please just tell a friend. What about your second one, your personal one? My first one was actually the, the my business one. I know I didn't frame it that way, but if your businesses are waiting for things to return to normal, they're not going to return to normal. There is no normal. So your business should move forward into this new phase. My personal one was about the importance of always learning and always trying and doing new things. And I'm kind of exploring that. I have a, a visual aid so uh, I apologize to our audio-only listeners. You'll have to check right. out. Right. So this is a good time to remind people that we are now on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, The Intuitive Customer. So we are now 18 minutes into the podcast. Go to this part because Ryan's just about to share a visual aid. 
Yes, or a, what, what do they call it, a mascot in England, right? I've been right. watching 8 out of 10 cats does countdown and they always bring a mascot, which is something. Yes, that's cool. right, yeah, yeah. So this is what I did last weekend. So I have gotten interested, so I do woodworking as a hobby, as you know. Can you hold it up again? Yeah, so I'll, I'll show it in greater detail as okay. I explain it. But uh, I do uh, woodworking as a hobby and I've gotten interested in recently in metalworking although I haven't ever done it. So my interest is extended to watching YouTube videos. But I looked up some metal shops around Atlanta and I found that there was a guy who does uh, classes. And so I took my two oldest kids, my 19-year-old and my 17-year-old, and we went and did a one-day class where we took a railroad spike. All right, wow. see that we put it in the forge and twisted the bottom part of it to make a handle. And then you take and you hammer the top part out of it. And then you grind that into a blade. So this is what I'm holding, for those of you who can't see, is the ugliest knife that has <laughs> ever existed in the world. But I made that thing uh, with my own hands. And Excellent. I didn't know how to do that before last weekend, and now I do, and I kind of want to do more of it. It's just, it's really empowering to learn something new and to acquire a new skill and um, stretches us in all kinds of interesting directions. Yes. No, I agree with that. And I know that you've picked up the guitar in the last couple of years. Yeah. We talk about our hobbies not infrequently on the podcast, and I, I honestly think that's a really important part of being successful in other parts of your life. Is Yeah. No, I do learning, as well. Developing new skills, pushing ourselves, reading new things. Yes. I would extend that to, I mean, I think I've said to, to you before, I don't read a lot in the custom experience industry mm-hmm. because I think it's become an echo chamber. And I think that it's interesting when you start to broaden your horizons, that stimulates new ideas or just even creates the space. I'm sure I know you do and you would work on Saturday mornings and stuff. Just being able to relax and not think about work. And surprisingly, you get the best bloody ideas right. when, that, when that happens because you're not, pushing your brain to come up with this great new idea just something slots in your brain and you 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 connect and you come up with this really good idea don't you yeah and even when it doesn't reflect like kind of immediately into like work ideas i do think that it just balances and grounds us in a way that just makes us more resilient and better able to respond to challenges so i think that there may be like second order benefits whatever it is if it's a new sport if it's a new craft if it's a new you know skill i just i continue to really find a lot of enjoyment and balance and and doing those kinds of things and encourage everyone to do that as well good yeah good idea good idea so everyone's now going to be going down and creating knives it was so fun smashing hot metal it was so fun So my personal one is just realizing how, I mean, I've heard this phrase before, but I I guess I'm starting to live through this now, how history repeats itself. Hmm. Because we all know that sort of the world's going through problems with inflation and interest rates. It made me think about how 
skills get lost, okay, in such a short period of time. So uh, let me give you an example and how our sort of expectations are built really as well. Because I was actually looking this up a little while ago. In my youth, inflation in the UK was at 25%. Yeah. And interest rates were at 17%. Yeah. And that's effectively when I bought my first apartment flat. Yeah. I talk to my kids now who are not kids, but I talk to my kids now and understandably they are concerned because they've got mortgages with the interest rate rises. I try not to say it. I'm sure I say it too much, but I try not to say it, which is, well, in my day, it was, you know, interest rates were much higher than that. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that that sort of skill has been lost in a generation of how to deal with that and how to plan for that. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. It's just like the interest rate's gone up and therefore your mortgage has gone up and therefore that's another three or $400 a month that you've got to find or whatever it may be, whatever the number is. But how do you plan with that? How do you live with that? How do you, how do you accept that? You know, what should you be doing now? Because I've been again advising the kids on going, look, I, so in interest rates in the UK are about 3%. I know about 7% in the States. But I've been saying to the kids there in England, my kids in England, I think it's going to go to 7%. And you've got a plan for that now, because if you don't, you're going to have a problem, basically. Does that make sense? So oh, it's, yeah, yeah. No, my um, learning is how history repeats itself and how skills get lost. I mean, I, I don't know how many of our listeners are significantly younger than you and I, and, and so maybe don't have direct experience, but our parents and grandparents' generations, you know, I, I still knew growing up people who lived through the, the Great Depression. And seeing how that impacted their financial habits for the rest of their lives and the way that they, the relationship with money. And, and it was just, it was foreign to me. I mean, I had my wife's, one of my wife's relatives would still like bury jars of coins in the yard or, or precious metals in the air because there's still this kind of lingering distrust of banks. And it's so weird to me, but then, you know, there's a generation of young adults now who essentially came of age during an extendedly weird period where, you know, government interest rates were essentially zero. That's Which how is their crazy. financial habits have formed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you're right, though, because it does form what you do and how, yeah. you, how you act for the remainder of your life when you go through these things. That was my piece of learning. And I want to share one other thing with you. That, this is from a business perspective that uh, before we go, one of the podcasts that we did, when I was looking back and looking through this exercise, I was thinking to myself, so what have I learned from the podcasts? And one of the key podcasts that we did was with your colleague who did AI, talk to us about AI. What was his name? Do you remember his name? Uh, yes, uh, Broderick. That's it, Broderick, Yeah. And he said one phrase. I'm bad which, with names. And you put me on the spot like that, Colin? Um, <laughs> uh, Broderick Turner. Uh, great Broderick guy. Turner. Very that's right. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, yeah, we'll put a link in the, in the show notes. And he was quoting from somebody else. But AI is just bias written in code. Yeah. And it was one of those times, and I thought, bloody hell. Yeah. Clearly, it must be. 
because however you're sort of brought up, whatever your beliefs, whatever you have, and you're now writing code, you're embedding that bias into it, whether consciously or subconsciously, you're embedding that bias into that. And that was a bit of a bloody hell moment for me, I have to say. Yeah, it was, it was a great one. Um, I enjoyed that. We've had a couple of experts on to talk about AI from various perspectives. And um, um, what made Broderick's perspective interesting is he's he's a little bit of an AI skeptic. And that's a refreshing perspective yeah. to take in um, sure. as we kind of try yeah. to get our arms yeah. around this big new change that's coming. Yeah, no, absolutely. Good. So I think that brings us to a close. Yeah. Well, this is a relief, Colin. I've got a whole year before I have to learn something <laughs> else um, and, and report on that. I'll, so. I'll send you a list of things that you, you should be learning. Uh, <laughs> and uh, ironically, this podcast is coming out on the 24th of December. Right. So I am sure that everyone's waking up on Christmas Eve. Yes. Tuning in. Yes. Because they can't wait to hear what we've got to say. Gather the family around the fireplace and listen Absolutely. to the podcast together. Yeah. Yes, get your get your daggers out that you've made down the local steel mill or whatever it may be. If you are listening and you haven't had Christmas yet, or you've just had Christmas, have a merry Christmas. Hope you all have a good time, and we'll uh, be talking to you in a in a week's time. Thanks very much, everybody. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. The Intuitive Customer.